did I did have two books that spontaneously appeared before me actually. Ah yes, that's happened to yeah. me. So where was it? I was when I was moving out of Manchester, I, I went through the, the, the bin area and then to put something in the car and within five seconds I turned back and these two had appeared on the floor. I don't I don't quite one of them's Peter Pan, which I'm not reading into, but there you go. Yarn's <laughs> Titus Andronicus by Shakespeare. Which oh. I've not read that one. Gosh, goodness but, me! Although Castles was telling me that he thinks it's a black comedy rather than a tragedy, so I don't know if that means anything or not. But mm. yeah. I think it, it's going to be down to your psyche and no one else's. Yes. 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 Welcome back, everybody, to Young to Live By. Today we are talking about relationships, and in particular, the more spooky quantum ethereal side of relationships because yes they do indeed exist we've got a question today from someone at the ten dollar tier or higher on patreon and you can join her if you want to submit a question too by doing the exact same thing link in the description down below asking about whether or not a real psychic connection with a person exists you have man you have woman you have father and you have son whatever it happens to be and there's a real relationship there but is it really the case the question goes on to say, is all the existing connection simply only empathy or is it transference or is it reflecting what the other person might feel based on our own experience? It is a good question. You can ask yourself, if you look back over the course of your own life, the different people that attracted you towards them, not necessarily sexual attraction, but, you know, friends or people from the crowd who you were drawn to. Is that simply a real psychic connection or is it transference? You know, maybe, maybe if you're a young man and you've grown up and an older guy takes an interest in you, you become best friends forever, BFFs for life. Is that the case or is it you've projected or transferred something onto them because they've taken an interest in you? They were what the psyche drew you towards to help make you whole in an individuation sense. It is a very good question, but it's of course a question one might get paranoid about if they were more prone to that kind of thing. But Stephen Pauline had a very interesting answer today and they went on to talk about synchronicities and the paranormal and things such as this. Uh, that's not a pleasant place to be whatsoever. Ooh, wow. wow. <laughs> Goodness me, James. What was that? Is that young to live by? That's just fallen off your shelf. Which took place, of course, a few months ago. It's a very interesting conversation. I hope you guys enjoy it. So I asked that question to Steve in the past. Is there a real psychic connection between people? Or is it simply all other stuff? There's such a blurring of boundaries, potentially, between all of those categories um, that they kind of blend into one another. I would say yes on balance that there is a real psychic whatever that is if i can just set that aside for a moment whatever psychic really means there is certainly the impression of that uh, and most people will experience it uh, particularly when they're in a close relationship to someone and that, that can be an ordinary familial relationship uh, but putting it into the context of psychological therapy when you get deep into uh, work with the unconscious and so called um, material like this paranormal um, and psychic material just happens uh, we've discussed this before so so that definitely happens and it's um, it's a phenomenon which the more you do the more it happens it builds it, it's, it's almost like something that you you develop through practice if you like through engagement with it so if you avoid it it will atrophy and if you build upon it through action and being open to it, it will occur more. 
Now, some people would say, well, there's confirmation bias built in that. Well, that confirmation bias could be from the perspective of a skeptic that there is no such thing and they will look for their confirmation bias. I understand that argument. But what I would say is that empirically, if people work in depth, so psychological therapist, this happens and you will know that it happens. It is so real, it's indisputable. Moving away from that into everyday life, if people are aware and alert of the experience and of the energy field between them and others, they will notice that this is probably present all the time in the background. And by attending to it in a non-superstitious or attached sort of way, you'll find that it, the signal to noise begins to shift. And so the signal from the so-called paranormal phenomenon, psychic phenomenon begins to emerge out from the background and that will train your perception whether you call it intuition or sensing, whatever. Nevertheless, you can train it by attention to it. You, you would, of course, just have to be careful about the superstitious elements because that's non-productive. It actually conceals rather than reveals these dynamics when they're present. So I, I would say, yeah, definitely. Mm. So we're moving, so, well, you're moving between the two fields, really, of, of psychology and parapsychology yes. and, and, yeah. and looking for where they, they might overlap or yeah. not overlap, as the case may be. Yeah. I guess it, it depends on, as with all these things, what, what's behind the question. Um, mm. yeah. And um, some people appear to be more attuned and more receptive to these things and others don't That's they yeah. uh, i mean i i would say you very in fact it happened recently didn't it with the lady who's just died oh yeah 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 um you kind of intuited yeah that I had something a, had um, happened young would probably call it a vision because yeah. it was just a spontaneous image which appeared in in uh, mine this is a lady who lived next door to my childhood family home for 50 mm. years we moved away from there earlier this year mm. and uh, I hadn't seen her for a while mm. uh, and then I, I just had this this insistent image she was outside of the house and directing her gaze at me with a view to communicating something to her and I thought I haven't seen you for a while I haven't seen you for a few months and it was just one of those those moments and passed it off passed it away and then I get a, a message through Facebook, a personal message from a neighbor who lived over the road, said she just died, just passed away. That was a, a fairly low level of intensity, but it was nevertheless there and it intruded into consciousness. I had no reason to think about her externally. There was no external stimulus that suggested that I should. However, it does happen a lot with me. And it, it, it does. It, it, An awful lot. Witnessed this. Yeah, over decades. Uh, over decades, it's, 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 a, it's a repeating yeah. uh, pattern. Yeah. Uh, some uh, some are on a much higher level of resolution than that, mm. far higher. Mm. You've um, actually experienced somatic symptoms, I have. haven't you? Yes, um, I've yeah. had uh, an actual, uh, if you like, VR, virtual reality kind of hallucination in a circular mm. disc that was hovering over me, uh, watching somebody going through that, and that was correlated, what they died from was correlated later. Yes. And what led up to that was spooky as well. Mm. Because the person, if you like, who was the medium, and I'll use that word um, in its proper context, the medium between the person who died and myself, I'd had a very odd interaction with a few hours earlier uh, that involved a dissociative state in me 
that I just felt compelled to do, which um, this was a long time ago when I, uh, this particular case, I was still in, I was in the police. I, I was um, driving a fast response car to an emergency. I drove down this hill at quite a speed. And I was approaching this house where this psychic that Paul and I knew, because yeah. uh, we used to go and try and investigate him, you know, um, lived and he had a sanctuary at the back of the building. I wasn't focused on him at all, but as the car approached, the police car approached and the blue lights were spinning around and flickering off the windows, the buildings and the houses going down this road, just jammed the brakes on, stopped, just got out of the car, walked over and this, this guy had a, a psychic doorkeeper, an old wizened old lady called <laughs> who, who guarded the door against un, unwanted <clears throat> visitors, human visitors. You know, he could protect himself from the other kind. His name was John. So I said, where's John? He said, he's in the sanctuary. So I went off down to the sanctuary, down these steps, which is a descent, of course. There's the door. I go in and he's working there as a healer on a number of people. And he just stopped and he slowly looked and his eyes tracked very, very slowly just caught my gaze and he just smiled, a ghostly smile. I shut myself and went, hi John, turn on, got, got in the car. Now he'd been treating this particular guy and later that night, uh, I had this, this vision, this hallucination if you like, and his wife took <laughs> the phone, instead of ringing the ambulance, actually rang John to say that he was having a heart attack. Um, anyway, I didn't know. And I, I was on a shift work and it was, it was a, a late shift, so I would have finished 11 o'clock at night. So before I went into work, back to the police station, I went round to John's and I was really curious. I asked him what happened and he said, yeah, at that particular time, he did have a heart attack. I got a phone call. It was too late. He died. And you think, oh, right, okay. Something happened there. And a lot of things have happened like that in our life. Mm. Really weird things. Yeah. Uh, that book that fell off your off your shelf, by the way, um, we see patients and clients here, and there was one once uh, who was here, and Pauline will, will verify that yes. this actually happened. Yeah. Uh, and we were talking about something from Young's Collected Works. So behind me there on the shelf, the brown books and the blue ones at the end, mm. by the one that says Freud, that's the Collected Works and Seminar Papers of Young, hardback. The book... A particular book fell off the shelf and opened at the page where when I picked it up was exactly what I was talking about to the guy who was there uh, and he was a sufferer of obsessive compulsive disorder which was like oh right okay so there's a message from somewhere and later on uh, on another occasion we were downstairs in our living room and something else happened. There was uh, a fall of stones down the chimney and one came out from underneath the fire, came towards me and then did a right, a dog leg, right, and then stopped between his feet 90 degrees. And it didn't do it quickly. It did it slowly. Like somebody had moved it out and then done a right angle. They've come towards me and then it shifted and went towards him. And I did help him. It did help him. But then I had a dream with Carl Jung in. And in, in the dream, Jung was sat on my right. And he was, he was telling me about this, this guy. And he said, you're wasting your time with him. It's a complete waste of time. I thought, whoa. Anyway, subsequently, that turned out to be the case. So despite the fact there were two parapsychological phenomena, if you like, that were connected to this particular guy, the 
something was going on in him that was resistant. And perhaps that's why the book fell off and opened in an effort to say, look, look, perhaps that's why the stone, you could call it a symbol of the self, if you wish, dropped down the chimney, rolled out and dog legged towards him. Wasn't getting through to him. And then there was the dream from Jung where he said, you're wasting your time with him. And I said to Pauline, I told her, I said, this isn't, this isn't going anywhere. Now that's turned up in that way. The, the psyche is saying and has, uh, and has shaped the communication in the form of Jung himself as a supraordinate authority to, to myself in terms of my own ego personality, a symbol for that. Maybe I wasn't getting the message either that, you know, this isn't going to go anywhere. So things like that happen a lot when you, you work mm. in depth <clears throat> and you know that you, you're working in depth because these things just build up and you can't repeat them. They're not amenable to scientific investigation. They just happen. So it's best to accept them when they do. And of course, we all, we all experience things like this, but they're so ordinary in the sense that they're woven into the fabric of our everyday perceptions, that they don't seem exceptional when they happen. It's almost a, not like a shock or numbing. It's almost like, oh, that's happened because nothing else happens around it. It's just a feature of the fabric of time and space, if you like, that occurs at that moment. And if you're perceptive enough, you can understand where that signal is coming from and what it might mean. Um, and definitely, uh, definitely things go on. I, mean, I, I pick up on people's movements, you know, like the like sudden oh, yes. arrivals. Yes. And I have this, this very peculiar reversal too, that if I give up on something or someone, and it has to be genuine. I've, I've, I've actually got to say, that's it, that's over, or that person isn't going to contact where. Within, I mean, you've seen this, haven't you? Uh, yes, Within seconds, yeah. there's, a, there's a, a reaction. But I have, to, I have to reach there. If I think a, a solution can't be found to something, some objective environmental thing, and I've wrapped my brains, I've tried everything I can, mm. exhausted my extroverted intuition to try and solve the problem, I go, like that. Sometimes within seconds, something happens and the whole thing's resolved and sorted out. Mm. And it's almost like there's a trickster at work that pushes me to exhaust something and mm. then it reverses its polarity. Very interesting to see. But Pauline's observed that so many times. Haven't you? It's, <laughs> it's, it, it's very familiar to me. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's almost, you... almost funny. <laughs> and, and then electrical things. Oh, too. no. Electrical talk things. About electrical just things. go wrong and mm. uh, uh, around me and it's like, what yes. the hell? Don't let them touch anything electrical. No, if, Ever. You, if you have a, a pacemaker, <laughs> don't let me reach out and touch your chest. Yeah. There might yeah. be a catastrophe. <laughs> But you're very in tune with these kinds of yeah. things, more in tune than I am, really. Well, I, I'm, I'm more, to almost answer the second part of the question, I'm probably more in tune with, with atmospheres and people's moods and, yes, and their energy yeah. levels yeah. And, and, and where they're at with something. So yeah. m my yeah. sort of yeah. um, sensing of, of energy and so on is, is, is probably more towards the, the mundane, the everyday, whereas you have a, I'm not saying you don't do those things, no. you do, yeah. but you're very in tune with, with the paranormal side. Well, well, yeah, I mean, thank you for that. That's a compliment because yeah. I'd see it more on the victim to it because it's not <laughs> like I'm, uh, it's under any well, kind you don't of conscious. Ask for it, no, but I it don't. Does, but it does make itself known. If I try and yeah. ask for it, it doesn't happen. No. It's like the, the other trickster-ish thing that 
that comes to me, you know, like where I have to give up on something and then suddenly the enantiodromia is virtually instant. But it's got to be genuine. I've tried, I've tried to trick the trickster yes, you have. and it doesn't yeah. work. You've actually got to have that mindset that you definitely think something before mm. that enantiodromia happens. Yeah. But with, uh, with, with Pauline, I've, I've noticed that her attunement to that kind of thing is heightened over the years. But there was a lag in her accepting it because she sees it in me and doesn't see it in herself. And I've definitely seen that coming through. The perception of other people and their energy and their needs and where they're at in terms of their balance of, of relatedness is so attuned that I can completely miss it sometimes. And it might only be for 10 seconds, like, but I do miss it. And then my intuition catches up with whatever that process is and it catches up and then it overclocks itself. And it's like, what the WTF? Wow, you saw all of that? Like that? And she communicates it in such an understated way as well, which means that it can go under the radar, um, my radar anyway. No doubt some people will be saying, that's because you don't shut the F up. Then uh, <laughs> there's probably some truth in that. And I'm the introvert. I'm the introvert. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. She's the extrovert. But I'm the one who doesn't shut up. <laughs> How does that work? I don't know. <laughs> what does that mean, as Bradley would say? What does that mean? What does that mean, James? I don't know. <laughs> Let James answer that one. Thank you for watching this episode of Young to Live By. If you haven't already, make sure you download our free PDF for integrating your shadow. It includes the most advanced theory on the topic available anywhere on the internet, as well as a full practical breakdown. If you've ever wanted to integrate your shadow, this is honestly the way to do it. Thanks again for watching, and take care.